Hey, hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Business Leaders Radio. I'm John Ray, and we are coming to you from the Business Radio X studio inside Renaissance Bank in Alpharetta, Georgia. And we want to remind you that if you need a more personal experience with your bank, uh, check out Renaissance. They've got some 200 offices across the South ready to serve you. They are big enough to be uh, have all the services that you need for your small and medium-sized business, but they are small enough to be personal. Go to their website, renaissancebank.com, call their local office, and uh, check them out. I think you'll be glad you did. Renaissance Bank, understanding you, member FDIC. And now I want to welcome Jason Forrest. And Jason is the CEO of Forrest Performance Group. Jason, welcome. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Thanks so much for being here. Talk a little bit about Forest Performance Group. How are you serving folks out there? Sure. We started our company 10 years ago, almost 11 years ago now, and we had one main goal, and that was to be the first sales training company that could actually change behavior. Uh, there's you know hundreds of thousands of different sales training companies in the world, but uh, most of them can't actually change behavior. About $164 billion is spent every year on training initiatives. Uh, but 70% fail to ever achieve an ROI. So we wanted to be in that 30%. Uh, also, our company has been an Inc. 5,000 fastest growing sales training and recruiting company for the last five years is all also a best place to work in Fort Worth for the last six years. Wow. That is an amazing stat about, uh, I guess, how much hope is getting poured into improving sales in terms of if you measure it by the dollar spent and how little of a return there is on that. Why is that? Well, and the $164 billion is for all training initiatives, not sure. just the sales side. But yes, sure. sales is the single largest career uh, field you know, of all, all the different careers. There's more people in sales than anything else. Uh, but, but the reason why most training fails is for a few reasons. So we actually have a formula that we teach that's kind of five steps. So number one is everything we teach is very tactical. It's very step-by-step, -step, very relevant. So I wrote a book, for example, in March called How to Sell Through the Coronavirus. And so we're always trying to give people relevant today's step-by-step -step topics versus uh, a lot of trainers out there. They teach people what to do, but not kind of how to do it, you know? Mm. And then number two, everything we do is mindset-based. And so the book that I wrote last year is called The Mindset of a Sales Warrior. So teaching the mental toughness side of selling. And then number three, everything we do is program-based, not event-based. So most training companies... They'll do a one-day or a two-day event, and they kind of love you and leave you. And so we believe that true behavioral change comes from experiential learning. So there's a follow-up process. And then number four, um, all of our sales training also comes with a sales management component. So the sales managers are, are put through a coaching program to learn how to coach and sustain the concepts. And then number five is we have a what's called a revenue operating system that really works with uh, kind of the, it's kind of like the glue that holds it all together. So that's where we work with our recruiting efforts, helping them recruit better salespeople, uh, CRM alignment, tools, systems, awards, compensation alignment, all the other things that kind of change behavior. We got to make sure that culture is in alignment. So it's called the revenue operating system. Wow. That's, uh, that's awfully comprehensive, which I guess is what you really have to have if you're actually going to change behavior, right? You, you do. Yeah. I mean, so think about human beings, right? Human beings are a little stubborn. <laughs> so, so, um, you know, so that whenever you bring a salesperson on, um, you, you know, there's a lot of things that they have to, they're always asking kind of what's in it for me. And so, you know, you have to, 
kind of have all of these elements in align alignment to truly get the behavior change you want. And, uh, and, and, and we know that, right? I mean, if you think of, think of a, a top salesperson versus a bottom salesperson, they could have the same territory, same circumstance, same situation, same number of leads, everything's the same, but one is outselling the other one four to one. And again, it's, it's, it's because they, they're following a different process. They have a different language they're using. They have a different mindset that they're, that they have. And so all of those things need to be either hired correctly as well as trained and held accountable. Let's talk a little bit about, uh, I mean, several different elements in the, in the, uh, sales process, but let's talk about prospecting and some of the thoughts that you bring on that particular area. Perfect. So and I'm glad you mentioned that because, um, one of the things that we teach is there's about 10 or 11 different factors that, that people will say kind of drive sales performance. Uh, so one is prospecting contact initiated on a consistent basis. Number two is, is uh, marketing. Number three is training. Number four is could be uh, territory management, uh, the product they're selling. There's all kinds of variables, right? But the research says that 50, there's a 50% correlation to one thing out of the 10 or 11 things. And that is contact initiated on a consistent basis, which is that prospecting. So the, the, um, the, it's the, the, the hard truth of the whole thing is top producers are still prospecting versus everyone else is not. And we actually have a program called Engage. And think of it as like in Top Gun, you know, where Maverick said, you know, they were like, engage Maverick, engage, right? <laughs> so it's, you got to get in the fight and you've got to be in front of people. So, you know, so we do a lot of things. I mean, my, my number one source of prospecting would be LinkedIn. So we're a big LinkedIn um, user. And so we have a, a, several things that we do. So number one, you know, we obviously engage with the prospective customer based on kind of target markets. And then number two is we, we send dub videos or some sort of video email. So we use dub D U B B, but it's a, a competitor of bomb bomb, but some sort of video email, because whenever you send a video or any kind of prospecting effort, I want everyone to write this formula down. There's four things that we always teach. So number one, you want to disrupt the pattern. So with all the noise that people are getting when it comes to being contacted, I mean, think about how many emails you get in your LinkedIn box every day. I mean, it's sure. insane, right? Mm -hmm. And so you want to stand out. And so sending a video email obviously stands out. So you want to make, you want to disrupt the pattern. Um, for example, one that I'm sending out this week is um, I paid, I paid a hundred bucks for, for a Santa to create a video for me that uh, basically says Merry Christmas and a bunch of other things. And then I, I, I'm attaching a video on the, on the tail end of that uh, that sends to, you know, my top hundred prospects that so so again they're going to see Santa in their email box on a video. Well, why would you not open Santa, right? So sure. I'm disrupting the pattern. And then number two is you make it personal. So something about them, what their goals are, what they're trying to accomplish. Number three is you teach them something new. So you want to educate them. Uh, the more you educate a person, the more they're going to give you respect because they they see you now as an advisor and you now know something they don't know, and so they feel like they you know they need to be work, working with you. And number four is a call to action. So you always want to do some sort of call to action to put them on your calendar and that sort of thing. But so we use video, uh, video emails a lot. The, the advantage of dub that we like is that if I send a dub video to you, um, I will get a response back as soon as you open the video and you'll, and I'll get a response back that shows how long you actually watch the video as well as I can attach my calendar to it. So you can just put yourself right on my calendar. You know, that's timely advice because you're exactly right. We're getting really kind of overloaded in LinkedIn 
Um, and that seemed to be the safe place to escape <laughs> from email it, it, right for a while there. And now, um, it's gotten a little crowded. So advice on how to stand out in LinkedIn is particularly timely right now. So thank you for that. Um, you've got something you call the five, four, three factor. So why don't you talk a little bit about what that's all about? Sure. So, so warrior selling is our sales training program. It's currently listed as number one in the United States for behavioral change by an organization called Global Gurus. So it's beating out Grant Cardone and Sandler, Integrity Selling, Solution Selling, Spin Selling, all the name brands you know. So Warrior Selling is number one right now. Um, it's number two in the world. But the in, in Warrior Selling, we always teach three things, the process, the mindset, and the language of the ultimate sales warrior. So as it relates to the 543, that's the specific process. So it's five steps to understand the customer's mission to improve their life. So all human beings are moving away from pain and towards life improvement. And so that, that, first, that first five steps is understanding the pain and the life improvement they're moving towards. Uh, the next is the four steps to present solutions. So what are your solutions to solve that problem? And then three steps to resolve the sale. So it's called the 543 factor. And again, that would happen after, of course, you engage. So first you have to initiate contact. You have to you know, your process is, is really, uh, you could have the greatest process in the world, or at least in our case, second best in the world. And, but if you don't actually get in front of a customer, it doesn't really matter. Hmm. So let's maybe marry these two things we've been talking about here that, you know, when you're talking about now getting in touch with someone digitally through LinkedIn and, but then trying to address their particular needs. I mean, let's talk about how you counsel folks on doing that. Uh, Perfect. So, so that would be initially in the first five steps. I mean, so again, this is, let's fast forward to um, you actually having, having a conversation with them. So once you have a conversation with them, then um, we teach a process called the discovery 360. So discovery 360 is, um, is, is asking questions about, what they're currently doing right now that's working and not working, asking questions about uh, the front runner. So who the competitors are that they're considering right now as an alternative, what do they like about them and what they don't not like about them. Mm -hmm. And then, um, and then asking questions about their future vision as far as what they're really trying to accomplish and, and what problem are they really trying to accomplish? What does it mean for them to really accomplish those problems? So once we can find out, you know, really the answers to those three things, Again, what they like and don't like about what they currently have, what they like and don't like about the about the competitors, and then what are they trying to accomplish? What do they what do they want, and what problem are they trying to solve? If they were to solve that problem, then then um, so then then we move on to the third step, which is the summary vision close, and that's where it would say something like, "So, Mr. Customer, so it sounds like what you're really trying to do is blank, and your main goal is blank, and what you're." currently doing is blank and what's working for you is this, but what's not working for you is this. And besides, besides us, you're also looking at competitor X, Y, Z. You like them because of blank, but you, you weren't really sure um, as far as, you know, blank that they're offering you. And so is that kind of where you are in the process right now? Great. Yeah. So that, that would be the, the way to kind of dial it in. And then that would then, then progress on to the fourth step, which is to um, category close it. And so there's three types of buyers a category one buyer is your true just looking buyer. They haven't decided to make a change yet. Your category two is your overwhelmed buyer. They're definitely making a change, but they're 
kind of undecided with a lot of different ways they can go. And then a category three is they're torn between you and um, your biggest competitor in that situation. So you, step four is category closing. And the most important question here is, so based upon that, Mr. Customer, have you definitely decided you're going to make a change? You're, you're going to do something different. Is this a strategic initiative for you? Folks, we're here chatting with Jason Forrest, and he is the CEO of Forrest Performance Group. Uh, so you you mentioned the warrior. Let's talk about the seven virtues of a warrior. Oh, okay. Um, so so it, it's, actually, it's actually six. Does it say seven? Yeah, that's what it says here in my notes. But, uh, uh, you know, the, the warriors uh, get, get a lot of virtues, I guess, added on along the way maybe. So, uh, But let's right, talk let's about go, six, let's go right? Six. Yeah. Let's go with six. So, <laughs> so the, the, the six virtues of, a, of, a, of the ultimate sales warrior are number one is presence. So presence is we, we always want to give the customer in front of us our undivided attention. You know, think about in today's world of Zoom and distractions and email, you want to turn off all distractions and give your ultimate presence to the customer. Most human beings aren't used to people giving them presence anymore, you know? Mm. And so that leads to the second virtue, which is expression. And expression is, is you fully expressing to them, you know, what you mean to them and what, uh, what makes you so unique. You know, I always say, leave everything on the field, kind of like in football, right? You know, you want to fully express as if this customer, as if you're never going to talk to this customer ever again, you know, and have no regrets whenever you're working with the customer. So the warrior mindset comes from, you know, from the, obviously the samurai and the military, you know, the samurai had a philosophy that said, it said, go to battle and live your life as if you're permanently dead. Hmm. So have no fear, you know, when you go, when you go to battle, right. And hmm. so the warrior mindset is fully expressed, leave everything on the table, you know, don't ever expect to have another conversation with them. The third virtue is, um, is uh, um, so we have, so we have, we have, uh, oh my gosh, presence, expression, and then we've got um, uh, surrender. So surrender is the, the idea of, um, of being yes and. So surrendering to the process, you know, uh, letting go of any expectations. One of the mistakes salespeople make is they, they put too much, too much importance on getting the sale and not enough importance on following the process. So surrendering is surrender to the process. Uh, there's, there's more to it than that. Uh, the fourth one is claim, you know, so every day, claim your day, claim your, claim your, your, your proposal, claim your goals, claim your mindset. So it's just the, the, the virtue of claim. And then the fifth one is penetration. So how are you going to penetrate your customers with your words? How are you going to speak to their heart, speak to their soul? How are you going to penetrate new market share? How are you going to win, win business from your competition? And then the last one, is um, invitation. And so invitation is the idea of how can you invite customers in to choose, to choose you? You know, how can you uh, have the energy of the virtue of invitation where uh, people feel welcomed when they're talking, talking to you? You know, that issue of patience, uh, I think is you've touched on one there. I think probably a lot of salespeople maybe have that issue particularly in common in terms of just impatience and that may be particularly true in a year like what we're in where maybe sales people are behind their quota it's hard to reach people that you were you were typically able to reach before the world has changed um what are some particular suggestions that you offer around 
patience and being will, willing to surrender to that process? Well, I mean, the, the, the best advice I have is number one, make sure you have a process mm. because, you know, one of the best ways to give yourself certainty in times of uncertainty is to believe that you have a process that gives you the highest probability of winning. You know, if I was to go to, you know, there's millions of salespeople in the world. If I was to go to those millions and say, Hey, just give me your process off the cuff from beginning to the end. Most of them can't do it. Now to certify in our program, they have to turn in a monologue of the five, four, three process in their native language, selling what they sell. And they have to do that by week six to certify as a warrior selling practitioner and then put themselves, give themselves a badge on LinkedIn where most of our competitors to certify, you just have to go to the classes. You don't have to actually have to perform anything. Right. Mm. And so, but we, we want our people to be in that 1% that if you say, Hey, give me your process, give me your, give me your game plan. They can do it, which is not too much to ask because you know, any, any, uh, any high school football team, if you were to say, Hey, tell me the play, you know, practice the play for me, they could obviously do it. So, so we, we hold our, we hold our kids, more accountable in the sports they play on what their processes are in order, to, in order to repeat them off the cuff than we do our salespeople that are 100% responsible for our companies, uh, you know, being able to survive and thrive and win in 2021. Let's talk a little bit, Jason, about um, uh, how you help business owners get their vision to the masses. Great question. So, so I think there are two problems in business. There are sales problems and there's all the other problems, you know, but again, I I'm biased, right? Cause I, I'm a sales training and recruiting company, but you know, if you think about it, everyone wants to talk about, you know, how to improve the culture and best place to work, which again, we are. Um, but none of that stuff is fun to talk about unless you have profitable revenue coming in the door. Mm-hmm. Like no one cares about how to improve your culture or, you know, all these other things that, you know, how to, how to improve operations, how to improve systems. None of that stuff matters unless you have proper revenue coming in the door. So, so we, we are, we're obviously on the revenue side. That's our, our side. So we're actually brought in by a lot of, you know, traction coaches and scaling up coaches and other business coaches, because we focus on the sales side where they'll focus on the integration, the operation, you know, the operation side. Right. And, and so, um, so if you think about it, most businesses, they get to that first million. In most cases, most businesses will hit that first million mark because you've got some founder that is the salesperson and they're doing the founder sale, right? So they're out there, they're talking to people, they're doing the founder sale. Uh, But the reason why they can't scale based upon our opinion is that they don't have other advocates that are out there selling like they're selling. And so they're stuck. They can't scale. And so where we help our customers get their vision to the masses is, you know, we ask um, entrepreneurs, you know, what would it mean to you if you had, you know, four or five other salespeople that were just as passionate and just as convicted as you are about your product and service and can tell more people about it? What would that do for you? You know, how would that scale your business? And so that's where, that's where we focus on. And, And again, a lot of it starts with the recruiting side. So they don't have a sales team. We do the recruiting side. We've disrupted the recruiting business by combining a recruiting company, an assessment company, and a training company to one. So we'll go find the person for you, use third-party assessments to make sure they're top-notch, and then we put them through a 90-day training program to onboard them successfully and then guarantee their performance as well. Now, you just uh, 
headed right toward my next question, which is you, you, I've got a pretty provocative statement here in the, in the show notes I've got for you. Sales recruiters should be the last people to recruit for you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, the reason we say that, so let let me just say this. I I did not want to get into the recruiting business. Mm. It has now become 70% of my new sales revenue in 2021, 2020, 70% of my new new revenue. So we've obviously hit a sweet spot. I didn't want to get into it. Uh, There's four things that have to happen in order to uh, create a sales organization. Number one, you have to hire the right people. We call them gumps goal-oriented, unleashed, motivated, procedural-based. Number two is you have to have tactical onboarding to teach them how to be successful in the first 90 days. Number three, you have to have a sales manager that coaches them and holds them accountable on a daily, weekly basis. And number four is you have to have a culture that supports you know, a, a, a kind of a fast-growing, fearless sales team. Well, 50% of it's who they hire. So I, we, we're working with big organizations, billion-dollar organizations, and we would help them out with the training side and the culture side. And we would consult for them and tell them how to recruit. And the ones that would recruit the right people were way more successful than the ones that didn't follow our advice. Right. Mm. And so we couldn't find a third party recruiting company out there that would, that was any good. So most recruiters, unfortunately, um, they themselves have a lot of leashes. So a leash is any sort of mental resistance that holds you back. So let's say a sales, a sales recruiter doesn't like salespeople. Well, I might sound too aggressive for them. So they're mm. interviewing me and they go, I don't think Jason's going to fit with my culture because he's just too much. Mm. They don't like salespeople, right? You know, or maybe they themselves don't have strong goal clarity. And so a salesperson comes across with in the interview with very clear objectives of what they're going to accomplish, their career plan. I don't think they're going to fit with our culture. So a lot of recruiters, they have their own reluctances, fears, leashes, limiting beliefs. And they will, they, because of those biases, they will eliminate uh, the best people and those best people will now go work for the competition and outsell, outsell them. Hmm. Wow. And so you, you, what you're describing is a, a source of growth for your company. That's really come out of nowhere. Um, uh, and, uh, I mean, it's a big problem in the market here that you're addressing. It, yeah. It came out of a problem that we were trying to find a third party sales recruiting company that we could refer to our clients. We couldn't find anyone. Mm-hmm. We couldn't find anyone that, that truly focused only on sales. Most, most uh, recruiting firms focus on other things and kind of dabble on sales. Uh, number two is they wouldn't use assessments. So recruiters wouldn't use assessments. They said it slowed their process down. They just want to place people. So we think that's a huge integrity problem. Mm. And, then, uh, and then I'm also a master practitioner in what's called neuro-linguistic programming. So we have uh, questions that our recruiters use to remove the biases from them. Uh, simple A/B testing that they have to, the candidate has to answer the question, and move forward. So no other third party ass- recruiting company would use that because that would slow them down. And then, of course, none of them had the training built in. So we we just again we're trying to solve a problem that we couldn't find a solution to. And yes, we hit the sweet spot because it's now seventy percent of our new sales in twenty twenty. <laughs> wow, <laughs> that's uh, that's awesome! Great work. Um, you're you're a uh, a, a expert in helping organizations create best place to work cultures. I mean, that's one of the uh, areas of your focus. Um, how does that work in, in terms of, and maybe the way you ask the question is what's the biggest obstacle that you see that companies have in getting to a culture like that? 
Um, so I'm just going to, yeah, I'll just kind of rant on a few things. So number one, um, you have to have leadership that actually wants to do that. That's number one, right? So mm-hmm. I think a lot of leaders don't really care about that. So, um, and they might say, they might say they care, but you know, uh, h- how many leaders are actually even taking an assessment to see if they're a best place to work? Mm-hmm. It only costs you a few hundred dollars a year to even, even, uh, go to your local business publication and even do the assessment to see if you qualify. Mm-hmm. So, so, you know, that, that just shows if you're even interested, if you just put the money towards even assessing yourself to see where you stand. Right. Mm-hmm. So number one, that's that. Number two is um, it's really a hiring award in a lot of cases. So you, you got to be really clear on what your culture is all about. And then you have to hire accordingly to that. I think a lot of people are not purposeful on what kind of culture are they trying to create and then making sure they're hiring people that fit with that culture. So for us, like we, we joke all the time and say that, that um, there's a lot of people that would hate our culture. It's very, it's very intense. It's very focused. It's very purposeful. We have daily huddles. We have, we do a lot of um, um, mental toughness exercises. I mean, it's a very specific type of culture. And so if we didn't hire correctly, we would be uh, not winning that award. And then another thing that comes up is, um, is, is very clear expectations. So, you know, we, we, um, uh, I think there's kind of three levels of a culture. So the first, the first level, and this is really relationships. The first level is a me, me relationship, you know? So think of that even with your significant others, your relationships in life, you know, it's uh, this is what I want. This is what you want. You know, you do you, I do me. That's a me, me relationship mm. uh, that happens a lot in organizations. So the employer wants certain things. The employee wants certain things. They're both kind of on it for, in it for themselves. Right. The second level is a me, you culture. That's a contract culture. And that's okay. That's like a, it's like a marriage, you know, it's like, here's my vows to you. Here's your vows to me. And then a third level of a culture is a us culture. And that is um, we're doing this for the embetterment of each other. And we're always kind of leaning in, helping each other out. Um, we are no, we are definitely not a level three culture. We have moments of that. Uh, but what I always tell people is you can't even think about being a best place to work unless you, unless you are a strong contractual culture. You have clear contracts with your employees. They know what's expected of you. You know what's expected of them. And you have constant 360 evaluations around it. Mm. Good words here, folks, from Jason Forrest. And he is the CEO of Forrest Performance Group. Jason, I'd love it if you could share maybe a success story. Um, you don't have to mention names, of course, but but uh, maybe a situation or two that you've uh, your intervention has really help change things for that company. Sure. So a couple, couple that come, come to mind. So uh, we have big long programs as well, like 12 month engagements or longer. Some of our clients have been with us for eight or nine years on a monthly basis. And uh, 90% of our clients that were with us for at least 12 months prior to March of COVID met or exceeded their sales goals when their competitors were shutting the doors down. So wow. 90% of our customers, again, were with us for at least 12 months prior met or exceeded their sales goals. And then on our recruiting side, uh, we did a case study recently where we placed uh, 13, 13 salespeople and the average performance went from uh, first sale, went from 25, went from 65 days to 25 days. So prior to us, the incumbents had their first major sale in 65 days, took it down to 25 days on average. And then uh, in the first six months, went from six sales to 13 sales in, in six months. So basically doubling the speed of first sale and then the performance on the recruiting side. Wow. Great work. 
Jason, this has been great. Um, lots of uh, uh, things, I think, for folks to chew on in terms of what you've delivered here. So thank you for that. Um, and I know someone out there's, I'm sure, been uh, um, heard something that's compelling. They'd like to be in touch. Tell them how they can do that. Sure. So, of course, our, just our website at fpg.com. If you go to the website, you can actually just book yourself right on our calendar to have a conversation. There's plenty of booking links there, um, as well as you can personally just email me at jason at fpg.com. So, again, F is in forest, P is in performance, G is in group.com. Um, we also have a, um, we also have a, uh, I did a, I did a, a webinar on the five mistakes of hiring and onboarding. And so if anyone's interested in that, just email me and I'll send you a, a link to the, the webinar. Jason Forrest with Forrest Performance Group. Jason, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you very much. Great, great to be here. Thank you. Folks, just a, a quick reminder that if you've got administrative tasks that are weighting you down in your business, um, give Essie Escobedo at Office Angels a call. She deals with business owners um, across the country. And you can find her at officeangels.us. If you're timid and don't want to give her a call, we'll just give her a call. <laughs> you can find her at 770-442-9246. And uh, she's been working virtually for 20 years, so a pandemic does not scare her. And uh, what you do is explain your problem. And she sends in an angel that flies in and gets gets the job done on an ongoing or as-needed basis. Uh, SES Escobedo office angels, and I use their services and they are fabulous. Uh, I can assure you of that. Um, and folks, just a, a quick reminder, you can find this show on the business radio X network. Business leaders radio is the search term. We're on all the major, uh, podcast apps. We would love it. If you would find, uh, the show on your favorite app, give us a great review because it helps people find the show. And it's not about me. It's not about us. It's about the great business leaders that we have on our show, like Jason and people that need their services and can find them. So, uh, we would love it if you would do that for us. So for my guest, Jason Forrest, I'm John Ray. Join us next time on business leaders radio. Mm-hmm.